let's, let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together in your word. You are so good, and you love us so much. And we thank you for your word that is so full of life, so full of truth, so full of wisdom. We need you to come and speak to us through your spirit. And so, Lord, uh, we commit our hearts and our minds to you, and we ask that you would give us understanding and that you would give us wisdom for living. For the glory of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, so it is Mother's Day today, but I'm sorry that I do not have a Mother's Day message. Although I am speaking about... You know, I, I'm speaking from a lament psalm. It's about suffering. And uh, perhaps some of you mothers will think that this is very appropriate for Mother's Day. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure. But hopefully not too, too many of you. Uh, uh, over the last few years, I've been reading the psalms over and over again. Uh, yes, I do read other parts of my Bible, and I do take breaks. But I've been... I've been going through, this is probably my fourth cycle now in the Psalms. I try to read one a day. And uh, as when you read and you meditate and you pray on the Psalms, they have a way of powerfully shaping your life and shaping your heart and your attitudes and especially your prayer life. The Psalms are ancient Israel's prayer book. This is Israel's prayer book that we're looking at. And it has so much to teach us about prayer. It has much to teach us about how we handle emotions, right? Both the bad stuff and the good stuff. Uh, and also how, how we respond to suffering. Uh, there's so much that we can learn. In fact, the most common type of psalm is the lament. Uh, and because... Many people through the years, through the centuries, have had a difficult time living this life, wrestling with the hardships and the problems and the sufferings that come our way. And not only that, but as worshipers of God, as God's people, wrestling with, well, God, why, why is this happening to me? I think I'm doing all right. But it's not working. You said you would bless the righteous, but it doesn't work. Have you, have you been there? Can you identify with this? You know, as I think about our congregation, I know that many of you are going through hard times of various kinds. Uh, some of you are dealing with pretty severe health issues, uh, which my wife went through as well uh, 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 this past year or so year and a half. Uh, just this week, uh, two of our uh, truckers among us, uh, Gerhard and Lori, had a head-on collision with a, with a pickup truck. They're, they're hurting in the hospital. They're, we're glad they're alive, but, but they're hurting right now. And many of you are struggling with financial issues, with family issues, relational issues. Some of you have drifted into our church because you've, you've had some difficult relationships in other churches and you're trying to find a safe place. I hope you find a safe place here, but let me tell you, Calvary is not a perfect church because I'm here. 
and so are you. Okay, and you choose the problems that you live with. But by God's grace, we, we grow through this and we learn to live with each other and to love each other well. Only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. Well, I hope that uh, this psalm uh, will be helpful. I'm looking at Psalm 77 this morning. Psalm 77. Uh, and, you know, I didn't have a proper, accurate title for this, although I did come up with an alliteration this morning as I was getting ready. And what was it now? Oh, man. <laughs> um, remembering God in your restless grief. Remembering God in your restless grief. It's a time to remember God. Uh, and if you are taking notes, or if you want the Coles Notes version, here are the three points. And I don't always do this, I don't usually do this, but here they are. They even have, are alliterated. When you're in trouble, reach out to God. Number two, remember who He is. And number three, recognize His presence. Okay? Reach out to God, remember who He is, and recognize your presence. All right, so those of you who are here for the Coles Notes, uh, please don't leave yet. Uh, I hope that some of the following will be helpful, especially as we read the scriptures. Reaching out to God. In times of trouble, the time of distress is the time to seek the Lord. Uh, verse 1 of Psalm 77, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. Notice that this psalmist is in the depths of despair, but he is crying out to God. And as you read through the psalm, you see he is praying. He's praying. Yes, he has complaints. Yes, he is in trouble, but he is praying. How many of you feel broken right now? How many of you feel like, I, I wish life was easier? He begins by reaching out to God. Your suffering is your appointment with God. That is where he wants to meet you. This is the place where the God of creation wants to encounter you. He wants to enter into your story right there when it hurts the most. And pain is not to be avoided at all costs. This is how many of you like pain? <laughs> Nobody here likes pain. We, how many of you are like me? You would rather avoid pain. You want to get rid of it as much as you can, right? You want to be comfortable. That's who we are as humans. We were made for a perfect world. We were made for heaven. We don't, we're not made for this fallen, broken, sinful place where people sin against us and we suffer. It's not quite right. We don't like pain, and yet pain is not to be avoided at all costs. It is to be embraced as a, an instrument of 
God. See, if, you, if, if your number one agenda is to avoid pain and to feel good, a bottle of vodka, uh, maybe for some uh, a group of prostitutes, all right? Some things that can get rid of your pain. So I've heard, I haven't tried any of those, just to be clear. <laughs> but so I've heard. Those are ways to get rid of pain, if that's all you care about. Or just find someone who's an anesthesiologist and have them put you under. But this is not the way Jesus lived, and it's not the way he calls us to follow him. Pain is a gift from God showing you that this world is not the way it should be, that you are not the way you were created to be, and that you are in desperate need of God, your creator. Pain and suffering is God's voice calling you to himself. And you may have heard it. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that God whispers to us in our pleasures but he screams at us in our pain. He's getting our attention. And you should be thankful. We should be thankful that he comes to us. So, verse 3, he says, When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Notice, he's remembering God. This is Asaph praying here. Uh, he remembers God. He's meditating. He's doing all the right things, but getting the wrong results. Have you been there? <laughs> this has happened to you? happens to me. He's doing all the right things, but he's not getting the right results. We want relief and comfort. God wants to deliver us from the sin in our hearts. We want to feel better. God wants to make us better. We want to be happy. God wants to make us holy. Which do you want? It's in a time we get with God's agenda. When, we're, when you're hurting and when you're struggling, what you choose to do at that moment is absolutely crucial for the rest of your life. This, it is what you do in these times that determines who you become. And this is what he's after. He's after your heart. The time of suffering is the time to surrender to God. You know, I, I used to love Romans 5, 3 to 5. Don't get me wrong, I still do. But it's carried me through some really difficult times as a young adult. You know, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And I would pray that and meditate on that and cling to that in prayer before the Lord. But you know what? Suffering doesn't always produce perseverance and character. Sometimes suffering produces bitterness and anger and rage and hatred and rebellion and ugliness of the soul. It does. I used to think that, you know, old people are old and wise. 
Well, I've lived on, long enough <laughs> to know that not all old people are old and wise. Some are old and very foolish. Some are old and, and very bitter and cranky and, and, and full of vitriol. It's, it's what we do with our pain. It's what we do with our circumstances. It's how we respond to life. So don't become one of those. <laughs> become one of the, the old and wise. That's what I want to be. And I think that's what you want as well. What's the difference? The path to healing is surrender and love. This is the time, the time when you're tested, surrender to God and learn to love your enemies. And I've heard people say, well, I don't have enemies. In fact, I, I could, I've heard this so many times in the last little while. I don't have any enemies. Well, who are you taking shots at? Right? Who is it that you desire in your heart to trip and to fall and to fail? Who are you still complaining about? Love them. And if you don't have enemies, good. Love the people that you find hardest to love. Okay, because this is the way of Jesus. And you're a follower of Jesus Christ. What makes the difference between suffering producing character and suffering producing ugliness? We surrender. We love. Don't run away from pain, church. Don't run away from pain. God wants to use that pain in your life to do heart surgery, to cut out the cancer of sin. And you know, the, this is the problem of, ancient, uh, of the New Testament Israel. Right? They wanted a Messiah who would raise up an army and, and lead them into freedom and liberate them and beat up the Romans and give us a more comfortable life. They didn't want a Messiah who would be betrayed and be crucified and die on the cross. That's not what they wanted. That's why, uh, that's why Peter took Jesus aside when he said that and he started rebuking him. God, you're supposed to raise up a movement and, and you know, take, over the, take over the world. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. What are the things of, of men? We want life to feel better. We want the hard stuff, the challenges to be gone. God wants to change our hearts. And the cross was the only way. He's after the sin in our hearts. And he wants it out. God has often used hardships to put, pull me into himself, to drive me to my knees in prayer. When I was 18, uh, you know, some of my best friends in, in the youth group stopped uh, attending church. Oh, we, we can follow Jesus without go to church, and then they stop following Jesus, and, and they've drifted far away from the faith. This really bothered me, and I started praying for them, and God used that to drive me to prayer. I was 19 and found out that my parents' marriage was in trouble, and my dad's soul was in trouble, and 
I started praying for them. God drew me into prayer. I learned to cry out to God for the stuff that was in my heart. And then when I was 20, uh, God began to uh, point out something else in my life. Drew my attention to another broken piece in my life. You know, when I was 13 years old, when I was 13, I decided that I would stop speaking. I was hurting. I was getting picked on at school. I'd say the wrong things. I would get embarrassed. And, and I didn't have the supports at home. I decided that the way forward was to stop speaking so that I won't feel so embarrassed and ashamed. And over time, Satan started sowing the lie. You have nothing to say. You have nothing to give. And how many of you... I, I spoke recently to a couple people who had a similar story, though they didn't go as long as me. But how many of you here are between the ages of 10 and 20? Hands up. Let me see you. 10 and 20. All right? Listen up. Life is hard. Life is hard. You're going to have really hard stuff come at you, and you will be tempted to withdraw, whether to stop speaking or to stop interacting or to shut yourself up in your room and, to, and simply to stop living, to stop doing. And don't go there. Please don't go there. Don't go there. Reach out to somebody, start talking about it, and get some help. But it took me years of wrestling with God, crying out to God, and having to take difficult steps that, that I didn't want to take to climb out of that pit of silence. Just don't go there. Uh, verse. Look at verse... Verse 4, you hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. This happens, right? I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I'm just, I'm just frozen. I don't know how to live anymore because I'm so broken inside. The psalmist was there. And so, first year of Bible college, I realized uh, in Peterborough, I was 20 years old, and I was sitting in the cafeteria looking, and, and you know, maybe half the students had left, and I was looking around, and there were different people having conversations here and there, and I realized I have no idea how a conversation works. I have no idea how to initiate a relationship. Because I was hurting and broken and no one showed me how. And so I started praying. And I started crying out to God. And I started praying for my unsaved friends. I started praying for my, my uh, family, for, for my parents. I started praying for me to, to wrestle my way out of this pit of silence. And every evening... After supper, I would go down to the prayer room before I hit the books, and I would spend an hour, two hours, however long it takes to pray through until 
I start feeling like my heart was together enough that I can go on with the evening. And then I hit the books. He drove me to the place of prayer because I had saw no way out. That was then. Now I don't know how to keep a message under 40 minutes. <laughs> and I wrote a 200-page thesis and then a 330-page thesis and don't know how to get the words down. <laughs> God's, God's done some things in my life. And it's all for the glory of God. It's all by the grace of God. How many of you have been transformed by Jesus Christ? Yeah. He does miracles, doesn't he? He does miracles with our lives. But it happens when we get real with God. Until you get real with God, you will not feel you will not feel the real God. You, you ever been there where, where you, you pray and it feels like you're, you have this wall between you and God and, and he doesn't seem real to you? You have to give him your real self. It starts there. It starts there. Uh, the real struggle of prayer all these years has been not how do I find words, but how can I learn to be more real with him? How can I pray more honestly? That's the goal. God wants your heart and he wants all of it and he wants all the broken pieces. God cannot put you back together unless he has all the broken pieces. Bring those to him. Bring those to him. I'm hurting. I'm broken. I'm confused. I'm addicted. I'm alone. I failed. I'm disappointed. I'm in trouble and I don't see a way out. I don't know how to live past this moment, this thing that I'm faced with, and get to the other side of this deep, dark pit I've fallen into. God has forgotten me. Have you ever felt some of these things? Be honest with God. Uh, have you fallen silent with God? You know, I recall meeting a couple who were wanting to get into the ministry at YFC years ago, and, and they said they were struggling with with their prayer life, and my, my boss asked them, how long has it been since you prayed? Two years. Can you imagine two years without prayer? What happened to silence them? Please don't go there. Please don't go there. If that's, before, if that's you, just... just Get in the face of God and open your mouth and speak. Uh, some years ago, I was uh, counseling a student, and, and she said, you know, my, my prayer life is in shambles. I, I really don't know how to pray anymore. I don't know what to say to him. And I said, how about something like this? Hey, God, I don't know what to say to you right now. Here I am. A tear started streaming down her face. She excused herself and said, 
I'm going to go and pray. I said, good. God can do a whole lot more than I can. We need to learn to be honest with God. He loves you right where you are. Right where you are. Right where you are. We look at uh, verses 7 to 9. He, he, he launches. Oh, yeah, notice in verse 6. I said, he started speaking. Right? Uh, I, I considered. I said, he started speaking. And, and this is where he starts climbing out of the pit and starts moving upward. But verse 7 Will the Lord spurn forever? Will he never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? These are honest questions. This Asaph was bewildered. God, what's happening? I don't understand. I don't get it. Have you forgotten me? And he asked the honest questions. And we need to do that. See, in asking these questions, he wasn't... It wasn't just bad theology. In a way, it's good theology because he's engaging with God. And he knew that God was listening. We need to stay engaged. And as we do, and as we ask honest questions, as we wrestle, we're wrestling for the theology of the heart. What does your heart believe about God? So... uh, Remember who he is. Remember who he is. Uh, Verse 10. Then I said, I'll appeal to the ears of the right hand of God. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of all. I'll ponder all your works, meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What great, what God is great like our God. He's a God of wonders. Remember who he is that you are speaking to. Remember who he is that you are sitting with. He is God Almighty. And what you most deeply believe about God is the foundation of your life. This is your heart theology. And it will determine how you live. It will determine how well you trust and obey, how well you endure hardship, how well you love. What do you deeply believe about God? And we want to take the scriptures and allow this to shape our hearts. Allow the theology of your head to reshape the theology of your heart. And it means we wrestle and we surrender. We wrestle and we yield. Only the Holy Spirit do this, but but we need to cooperate. We need to yield. How do we how do we get truth from our heads down to our hearts? Consume God's story. Take this word, take this story, and devour it. Because you become the things that you consume. If you fill your heart with the stories of the Norse gods, (laughs) okay, 
Thor and Odin and so forth, you become like them. If you fill your heart with the stories of Greek mythology, right, Zeus and Apollos and so forth, you become like them. That's why God gave us this story. Consume his story and get it into your heart and pray it in. Pray it in. Pray it in until it becomes a part of you. Pray the scriptures. Uh, I, I love the movement that's happening in our church with women writing out scripture. We can all do this. Men, you can do this too. <laughs> Write out scriptures. Pray it in. Meditate on it. Pray it in. And walk it out in your life. How do you allow God's word to change your life? You walk it out. You live it. This, this is a story to be lived. That's how you use this word. And your enemy will lie to you about God. Okay. How did Satan tempt Eve in the garden? He, he was slandering God. God is withholding good from you. God is not good. And we need to resist. You know, how do you... Right, I'm, I'm wanting to move along here. Uh, you know, we, we all have wounds in our lives. How will you know when you've been healed? You know how you know when you've been healed? You will become so much like Jesus that you love what he loves. That you act as he would. That your every thought, every intention, every word, in every relationship, in every action becomes directed purely to worshiping God and loving others. And when Jesus comes back, we'll be wholly healed. But you can take the next step forward. By the grace of God, we can do this. We live our lives in total submission to God. Uh, I'll just be really quick here. Number three, recognize his presence. 16 to 20. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, they, the deep trembled. Do you know that your troubles are scared to death of God? Do you know that? The troubles in your life are scared to death of the Almighty God who walks with you. They really are. You can walk with confidence. Uh, I want to uh, move forward to... Verse 19, your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Now, you need to understand the ancients were scared to death of the waters. That was their number one fear, that they would be covered by the waters. Waters were destructive. When, the, when you're on the sea and the waves come, wind and the waves come, and you're in a boat, you are totally at their mercy and you will die. You will die, and only God commands the waves. But your way was through the sea. He parted the, the waters of the Red Sea. Your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You don't always see God walking beside you. You don't always see his hand working in your life. But the God the God who poured out the ten plagues on, on Egypt, the God who ripped the Red Sea 
wide apart and brought Israel through. This God who fed them with, with bread from heaven and water from a rock, that's the God who walks with you. This God who parted the Jordan River when it was in flood stage. You know that Jordan at flood stage is three miles wide. And he ripped that thing open and they crossed over. The God who defeated the giants in the land, who made the walls of Jericho fall, that's the God who walks with you. The God who turned the water into wine and made the lame walk and the blind see and the deaf hear and the mute speak, cleansed the lepers, cast out demons, and raised the dead. The God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he's the one who walks with you. You don't see his hand. You don't see his footsteps. But he walks with you. And, and we need to learn to see with eyes of faith. We need to learn to see with eyes of faith. All right? You need to put on your spiritual glasses and start seeing everything through this reality. God is God. And God is good. And God is mighty. And He loves you right where you are. And He's walking with you through it all. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing grace and mercy towards us. We confess that we are totally dependent on you. Lord, our lives are broken and they're a mess without Christ. But in Christ, we have everything. Thank you that in Christ, we have power and authority here on earth that in Christ we have the victory, that in Christ we have hope, and even when we feel broken, Jesus, we want to give you our hearts, we give you our lives, and we hand it into your hands because you are good and you are mighty. And so will you help us to remember you in the times when we're prone to forget? Lord, bless Calvary in Jesus' name. Amen.